Well, good, good morning. Is this on? Is this on? There we go. Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. This is my favorite baseball jersey. I'll mention it here in a second. But um, uh, what a great day with New Member Sunday. And I'm thankful for all that is all those that, have, that God has sent to join our church this year. And as you um, think about it, um, it's, uh, let's get that right there for fun. Um, I, uh, it's fun for me, right? <laughs> it's not fun for you. Um, but, um, you know, as I think about what God has done in the life of our church, I just see those faces. I, I think about all that have come through our dinner with the pastor this year. And over the last 10 years or so, um, we've articulated the core values of our church in this way. We've, we've talked about how we are uh, biblically based, meaning that we are a church that has chosen to stand on the Word of God. And, that, and, and we see God's Word as a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, like Psalm 119, 105 says, and that, that as His Word speaks to us, it moves us to, uh, to make sure our beliefs and our practices line up with the Bible. And, and this is something we poured into the members that have joined our church this year and really for the last 10 years. If you have your Bibles today, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and, I, and, and, and it's one of the reasons that like, we stand on the Bible. We, every time somebody preaches here, we, we are in the Word of God. That is clear, and we want that to be clear. It's also clear that one of our values is that we worship the Lord together. Um, you'll notice that Casey this morning intentionally prayed, turned her face to the Lord, Saying, and, and that's not just a transition time. That, that's a moment where we are saying, look, we are here to worship God. We're here to look to him, to turn our face to him. And this is so very important for us to do as a, corporately and individually. It's why we're pushing our, one another to be in the word, like we're reading through the Bible this year. And, and, and we're pushing one another to be in the word of God and to know the word and to turn our face to the Lord on a daily basis. We worship the Lord. That's a value of us. We're, we're also committed to community. This is really important for us as a, as a body, that we are committed to be in life together. It's why I want to challenge you uh, to get involved in a group. I mean, Jonathan Watts sent a text message today about their group today. It was a cool picture of, of just seeing all of your group together. And I look at how important it is for us to care for one another, to walk together, to, to be in a group of people that, that, that knows the details of your lives. This is a, a value for us. We're committed to be in community together. I mean, we saw this with our student ministry this week. Um, as, as we gathered together with over 350 kids were in this room eating Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, it was such a cool night. And, and pushing our students to be in life together. And a, and a fourth value that we have, we're going to look at today in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. Now, this is my favorite baseball jersey. We'll see if it makes this whole day if I don't knock it down, but I'll put it back up. But, but some of you may not know my ambassador baseball story, but that's by far my favorite baseball uniform that's ever been created. And um, years ago, I didn't play baseball. I, I actually got fired by Dustin Gorell uh, from pitching, doing pitching, uh, uh, like, what do they call that? Bullpen. What do they call that, Cooper? Batting, batting practice. Oh, see? 
Are you kidding me? Um, I, I, Dustin fired me from batting practice because I, I played tennis, so all my pitches were curveballs, and, and so it just didn't work for batting practice. I got fired. But I didn't play baseball, but, but in 2007, I called Brad Ayler. He was in Houston at the time, and I said, hey, man, we're starting a baseball ministry. And he goes, what are, what are you talking about? You don't know anything about baseball. I go, I know. I don't know a thing, but we're starting this ministry. And... Um, and we did, and God allowed us for, for 14 years to create a select baseball team that shared the gospel with top-level baseball players all over the United States and then even around the globe. And, um, and, and the, the start of this ministry, and I won't go into the full details, but, but in 2002, I had a student in my ministry at Council Road in Oklahoma City. I was a youth minister. And on June 2nd, 2002, he was named Baseball Player of the Year for the state of Oklahoma. We were so proud of him. And, uh, and then the next day he was killed because tires broke off a semi-truck uh, driving in the middle of Oklahoma City, um, bounced, crossed the median, hit his car, and killed him instantly. I wrote a book, and, and, and it was kind of a baseball-looking book. And there was some guys in my life that were phenomenal baseball people. And we just decided to launch this ministry together. And, and, and you know, we... we we built this ministry. We named our baseball team the Ambassadors off 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. That's what we're going to look at today, 2 Corinthians 5, turn there. We're going to start in verse 17, and let's get our, right into the Word of God so I don't preach too long today and make you miss lunch. Let's stand together, and let's look at this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, let's look at this passage. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. May be seated. Now, now this passage of scripture really drove me as a pastor. And, and as I as I think about our calling, not just as a baseball team, but our calling as a church, we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. And this is a core value that that we have as a church, that we are striving to push one another to be faithful ambassadors. For Christ. Now, when you study the Bible, and we've been reading through First and Second Corinthians this past week, and I and I hope that you finish our Bible reading with us as we kind of come into the end of 2023. But but you know what? You see in First and Second Corinthians, and let's note this: that this is a letter written to a church. And, and it's important when you read the Bible and study the Bible, you consider the context of the Bible, right? Uh, here's what I mean by that. When you, you've got to think about when you study the Bible and you understand it correctly, 
what did it mean back then? It was written to the people at Corinth. They, they were, that, was a, that was a church in a city in the Roman Empire around the first century. And, and it's important to understand, when you read the Bible, it's also important to, to recognize what this always says. And that's the beauty of the Word of God, is because God has the ability to speak to all times, to all cultures, in, in all through history. And this is the truth of God's Word. So when you understand the Bible and interpret it correctly, you have to look at the context of what it says back then. You have to consider what it, what it always says. And then you should consider what it says to us today. It, now, so often people make the mistake of reading the Bible and just reading it through the eyes of, a, of an American living in 2023. And you overlook the context. And I think all three of those pieces are important. So that's just a, a tool to have in your belt as you read through the Bible. But let's, let's consider Corinth, because when you think about Corinth, there's some interesting things about their culture that's similar to ours. And I just think it's really interesting, because when you, first of all, it's written to a church. We're a church. And, and God has something to say to us through the book of Corinthians. It was written to a church working through some problems that they had some internal problems in Corinth. And it's interesting as they wrestled through some of those internal problems. You see it in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. There was, they were working on these internal disagreements. They were trying to figure out how to govern themselves with Jews and Gentiles together. They were, they were working through some disagreements over order of worship, uh, men and women roles in the church. You see this specifically in Corinth, these issues were at play. And so it's important to understand that. They, they were also trying to figure out, and there's an interesting parallel in the, the, the city of Corinth, that they were trying to figure out how to really walk with God in the midst of a culture really struggling with sexual promiscuity. And, and, and you know, that's kind of where we are today. I mean, here we have a culture that has tons of confusion on sexuality and on gender issues. And, and, and here is Corinth called to be a church in the middle of all that chaos. You also see a church struggling with marriage issues. Marriages in the church were struggling. They're trying to figure out order in the home, and it's just an interesting thing. Um, another interesting thing about Corinth, they're in Rome, right? Um, the Roman Republic... Our nation has deep roots in the Roman Republic. If you've ever done much history of just Western civilization, you see the Roman Republic issues. And, and one of the issues in the Roman Republic was this idea of pluralism, plural, plural, pluralistic society, meaning that there were lots of religious beliefs. A lot, and then think about religion. Religion I believe is this desire for a purpose in humanity and life and life after death. Isn't that the root of religion, right? People trying to discover in religion a meaning of life, a meaning of the afterlife. I think that comes from God. I think God put in the heart of every human being this this um, recognition that there's got to be more than just living and dying, right? 
and, and, and in Rome and in, in Corinth, they're having these conflicting religious beliefs because you have some people saying, hey, this is how I think you have meaning in life and meaning in the afterlife. And then there's some, well, this is what I think. And then there's some like, it doesn't matter. Here's the problem with being a Christian, being a Christian in Corinth, being a Christian today, is we understand from the Bible that, the, that, that from the revelation of God, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Let's think about our culture, looking at Christians going, man, stop saying that. You're just one of the many beliefs in the world. Here's the problem with that. The Bible reveals the exclusivity of Jesus, that there's only one way to heaven, through Christ. Now, intellectually, we understand this. Experientially, we understand this as a Christian. Now, let's think about Let's think about the intellectual and the experiential reality of this because here is Jesus who entered the world in a miraculous way, right? He was born of a virgin. That was a miracle, okay? Every thinking person has to come face to face with this. If Jesus entered the world like he did, born of a virgin, I don't have any explanation for that scientifically outside of it was a miracle of God. Well, then you have the, the reality of his life. He, he lived this life that he claimed to be sim, sinless, right? Jesus was sinless. And then, then he had these miracles that backed it up. People that saw him said, he did these miracles. History points to this, not just the Bible. History does. So intellectually, we got to look at Jesus and go, okay, he did these miracles. And then the Bible says that, and, and history points to the fact that he died. Roman history points this Jesus walked the earth and he died for his followers. Now, history points to the fact that, yeah, they, they said that he conquered the grave. The Bible points to this, that Jesus conquered the grave. He rose from the dead. Well, okay. Um, nobody else did that, right? Like, think of all the things that people worship, all the people that people worship in the world. Only one that we know of in history claimed to have risen from the dead. People said that they saw him after he had risen from the dead. So it points to the exclusivity of Christ. In Corinth, they were wrestling with this pluralistic culture that is like, wait, wait a minute. Jesus is the only one that conquered the grave. To this day, Jesus is the only one that conquered the grave. But not only that, did he... He died and he rose from the dead. But like what we know in our experiences and, and we know from the Bible and, and in just our everyday life that, that, the, that Jesus left his Holy Spirit who indwells us, who empowers us, who leads us, who corrects us. And, and we here we have the, the, the believers in Corinth had the same thing. They were learning about the power of the Spirit. We, we've learned about how the Spirit moves and, and interacts with us and strengthens us. And, and then we recognize this incredible power that comes experientially, and, and this is all miraculous. And so now let's turn to this passage today, because I think this passage is so very important for us. And let's look at, and today I'm going to, just as a way of memory, we're going to try some alliteration. I don't normally preach with alliteration. You're going to have three R's today to help us remember, and just really three words, right? But I'll take 40 minutes to talk about these three words. But um, the first word is this, reconciliation. You can't look at this passage without confronting this idea 
of reconciliation. Look at verse 17. Five times you'll see it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through through Christ, look at this, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that, that is Christ, God, look at this, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So as we think about this passage to the, the church at Corinth and the passage to the church at Owasso, you, you recognize this, this word reconciliation is a pretty big deal. Now, the, the idea of reconciliation is miraculous because it describes what happened when you and I were saved. We were reconciled. And look at this. Think about, think about this. When, when you and I were born, we were born enemies of God. You, you weren't just rebellious. You were an enemy of God. And that means you're unable to connect with God. You, you weren't able to, to get to God. But notice what this passage says. Look at verse 21, because you see this miraculous moment that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for you so that you could be the righteousness of God. That's how I memorized it. The ESV says it differently, but it's hard to get that out of my head, how I memorized it. That, that, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for you so that you could be righteous. Now, reconciliation is a big deal because God is holy. And and it's miraculous that God who knew no sin would be sin for you and me. I think when we get to heaven and we see holiness for the first time, I say this all the time, when you see holiness for the first time, and I see holiness for the first time, because that word comes off our lips, but I'll be honest with you, none of us know what that means. None of us have never seen anything truly holy. I know this from Moses. When he wanted to see God, he goes, you can't, Moses, because my glory and my holiness. Moses, you can't see me. But God made him who knew no sin and we're going to stand there one day and realize, whoa, whoa. God in the flesh became sin for you and for me. And you see in this passage something really incredible about this new creation. All this comes from who? From who? Look at the passage. Look at, verse, look at verse 18, the first part of eight, verse 18. All this is from who? God. It, it, it blows away this idea that you can somehow earn your way to heaven. You can be good enough to earn your own forgiveness. No, it's all about Jesus became sin for you on the cross and me on the cross. All this is from God. And And this reconciliation idea is so very important. It's grounded in that doctrine of propitiation. Now, how many of you have used that word this week? Anybody in the room used that word this week? We had one in the last service. None of us have. I mean, I have because I studied for this. So, sorry, I didn't tell you it was coming. But 
But propitiation is this complex, incredible doctrine revealed in the Scriptures that, that's, that, that points to the idea that we were once wrathful, and now we have favor. And that's this beautiful idea of propitiation, and it's a miraculous moment where, where God made us right. God forgave us. God made us a new creation, it says right here. You know, now, as a definition of reconciliation, here's what it means. It's a drastic move from hostility to friendship, from enemy to ally, in conflict to in step. That's what recreation is. Let's think about this. It's, it's, a, it's a move, a drastic move, that you and I can move from, from hostility to friendship with God, from an enemy of God to an ally of God, from being in conflict with God to being in step with God. And that's what Jesus did for us. That's what reconciliation means. That's the miracle of, of God working in our lives and making in us, a, helping us become a new creation. And, and we recognize reconciliation is from God. It's not in your hands. God did this for you. God did this for me. And it's such a beautiful, miraculous moment how, how the ministry of reconciliation is given to us. And that's why salvation, you've got to understand, it's not something you can earn. It's a gift to be received. And I want every one of you to have come to that moment in your life where you've, you've received the gift of salvation. But, but recognize, salvation is given to us. But right here in this passage, it says the, the ministry of reconciliation is given to us, too. Now, that brings us to the second R. Not only should we recognize reconciliation, we should recognize responsibility. Let's think about this. Look at this passage now. I want you to feel the responsibility that's here. Therefore, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and notice this, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And then he defines it. That is Christ God was reconciling the world to himself. That God is making not just, and, and don't, don't buy into the idea that this is like the planet. This is people on the planet. And we know this because of what it says next, not counting their trespasses against them. That, that's what forgiveness does for, for us. It doesn't count your trespasses against you. I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the biggest places that I battle as a pastor is sitting right there, sitting right down there. In the first service, my wife always sits next to me. She teaches Sunday school in the second. And, and you know what? I sit there every, every time I get up to preach, Satan battles. I, I, I battle the enemy. Thoughts going all the, mistakes I made going all the way back to middle school comes to my mind. Are you kidding me? It does. And, and I, I keep, I battle those. And, 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 and I get this thought often, why are you getting up to preach? And I've started to go, yeah, good, good, good point. 
Good point. Uh, I'll tell you why. Because of this responsibility that, that Jesus didn't count my sins against me anymore. Who's grateful for that? I know my sins. I know the mistakes I make. I know the attitudes of my heart sometimes. But goodness gracious, I'm grateful. God does not count our, my sins against me. That's what reconciliation did. That's what he did. And, and then he says right here, um, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And, and I think about this entrustment that you and I have been given. This is why we must not be the frozen chosen. We must not be those people that are silent about what Jesus has done. And I've known some people that were, were embracing um, silence because of cultural pressures. I don't want to offend anybody. Oh, you know what? Maybe Jesus isn't the only way. No, no, no. In Corinth, in Owasso, we have the calling of God. We've been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. And the reason this is one of our values is we are called to be his ambassadors. And I've been wrestling this week with, what does that mean? I mean, I've preached this passage countless times as I've spoken about the ambassadors since 2002 is when we started. Well, 2005, when we came up with this idea. But as I was wrestling this week, I kept thinking about, I'm responsible for this authentic walk with the Lord. And you know, I think that's something we're responsible to have is this authentic walk with the Lord that, that, that we are to, to genuinely walk with Jesus. I think back of when I was in tennis, playing tennis in college, and, and I can remember a moment on my tennis team. I really got the idea that I want to be a witness on the court, and I want to be a, a witness to my teammates, and I wanted to, I, I love these guys, and all of them were lost on my team. Not one of them had, had come to know Christ. And here I am on this team of, of these pagan guys. And, and then we play Oklahoma Christian. Isn't this funny? Oklahoma Christian, we played them. And uh, they came to play at our place. And, and I, get in a, I get in a John McEnroe lose my mind moment where I blew my witness. I, this guy made a close line call. I got mad. I hit a ball at him, and I jumped, and I threw my racket down. We were saying, we jumped the net. This is Oklahoma Christian by, that I'm playing. I lose my mind. And after that match, I, the coaches broke us up. It was a mess. It was terrible. And um, I had to apologize to all my team. And I said to them, I blew my witness. I'm sorry. And they were like, that was awesome, man. No problem. <laughs> they thought it was cool. But, but I was wrong. I was wrong. And you know what I've discovered? That even when I've been wrong, when I've owned it, even a lost world goes, I appreciate that. And I ended up, by the end of the year, getting to lead Jack Wilson to Christ. Pat Jenkins to Christ. Two guys that I really care about. 
And you know what I've discovered in my own journey is that you don't have to be perfect to be a faithful ambassador. You just got to be real. And one of the things I pray that we are as a church is that we're real. That people don't walk in our door or walk into your life and you're all this stuffy religion, but you just have this authentic walk with Jesus. You know what? That's what I think a faithful ambassador is. A faithful ambassador is also responsible with an accurate gospel message, right? If you're going to be a faithful ambassador, you're going to communicate the gospel. Can I just tell you something? I missed a moment yesterday. I was, we were hunting with my son-in-law and my son, and, and, um, and me and a guy in our church went and saw a family. And I missed a moment of really, I was nice. I was nice. Told him I was a pastor. Um, but I missed a moment to really point them to Christ. And I felt it as we were leaving Nawada last night. And so I'm fixing it tomorrow because I got to go get the deer that we shot yesterday and and I'm going back to that house. And, and I want us to recognize as a faithful ambassador, we've got to be responsible with the gospel message, and I blow it too sometimes. Now, I'm going to do something about it. Even though, Nathan, I told you to do it on Friday, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Friday's too late. Nathan texted for me. We're having a little moment. Sorry, it's my son-in-law. Um, but, but you know what? We've got to be accurate with the gospel message. That's why 2024 is important. That's why tonight is important. I hope you come to Family Matters tonight. Because we're going to be talking about where we're headed in 2024. But, but to, to be a faithful leader, a faithful Christian that, that embraces the responsibility, we've got to learn to share the gospel message. We've got to be responsible to speak up about Jesus. And this is a call. This is what it means to be a faithful ambassador. The, so reconciliation is the first R. This calling to be responsible. And I want to ask you a question. Are you responsible as an ambassador for Christ? Not perfect, but responsible. And third, do you represent Jesus? Do you represent him? And, and I want us to feel the, 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 the beauty of reconciliation today, the incredible power of reconciliation. I also want us to feel the calling to, to, to be responsible with the gospel. The fact that God made us a new creation and that we're in a world like in Corinth, that desperately needs to see a representation of Christ. And when I think about it, look at verse 20. Therefore, it says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
in, in, in my heart and my mind today as, we, as I prayed for our church that to be the best ambassador, we've got to... We've got to have that that John that that, that, excuse, that Matthew six thirty three mindset of we are a people that that seek God, you know Matthew six thirty three, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But for us to be a people that that are faithful ambassadors, we are a people that seek the Lord. We seek God, and, and like the ambassadors is my favorite baseball team. And I remember, man, when we started this team, um, you know, I told them I couldn't, be, I couldn't teach them anything about baseball. I'm going to teach you how to walk with the Lord. But I'll kick your rear in ping pong. I told every ambassador that. I'll beat them in ping pong. And, but, but one of the things we told our team, here's what we said to them. We said, do you know who made you good at baseball? God did. God's the one that made you good in baseball. And we said to them, hey, when we, you come on this team, we're, we care if we win. We're going to win, okay? We're going to do our best to win. We love Jesus, and one of the best ways to love Jesus is go out on a baseball field and just beat somebody down in baseball, okay, in baseball. But we said to them, look, we're going to play the game like it's meant to be played. That means we're going to pitch inside. We're going to pitch inside. And so if they crowd the plate, we're pitching inside. You shouldn't do that. We're going to, if the rules allow us to take out a second baseman, we're going to take out a second baseman. That's baseball. We're going um, to play to win. But here's the thing. We're, we're not going to chirp at our opponents. We're not going to chirp at the umpires. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play the game like it's meant to be played. And at the end of each game, we're going to play in such a way that we played so hard, we played so well, we competed so well that, that we're going to earn the right to share the gospel with them at the end of the game. We did baseball for 14 years. We played at least 55 games a summer. And when we started this, there were people that told me, you don't know anything about baseball. I go, I know, but I know Jesus, and I know how to follow Christ, and these guys know baseball, so we're going to put together a team. In 14 years, 55 games a summer, playing at the top level of high school baseball, helping guys get scholarships to uh, exposure to coaches and scouts, we had seven teams not talk to us after a game. Seven in 14 years. And you know what? After every game, we would say to them, hey, good game. Can we tell you our story? And they said yes. And I cannot tell you how many times on a baseball field I watched the Lord just move in powerful ways. And we told those guys, when you put that ambassador uniform on, you're representing Jesus. Don't forget it. Church family, I want you to know something. We got an ambassador uniform on. We better never forget it. That we're called to this authentic walk with the Lord. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ right where we live. And I can't think of a day that's more important than today to represent Christ to a world that's in desperate need of him. And this is why we can't buy into the lie that Tulsa is all believers. 
I realize there's a lot of churches on corners in this town. But let's not forget, and let's not be lulled to sleep that most people that live around us don't know Christ as their Savior. I went to the home of an entire family yesterday that don't know Christ. And I'm going back tomorrow to do a better job. So let's recognize this. This is what we told our baseball guys, and this is what I'm telling you. The best representatives of Christ are not the ones that have it all together and have it all figured out. The best representatives of Christ are those that go to the one that's got it together and got everything figured out. And that's why I pray that this community, everybody in our lives, recognize that we are a people that look straight, run fast to Jesus. And then you know what we do? We take that message and run fast into the world where God planted us. That's what ambassadors for Christ do. You know, um, I wrestled through in my own life as I, as I really tried to process this passage and think through moments that I was, the problems I've had to work through and I continually work through as I wrestle with being a faithful ambassador for Christ. And maybe you have these problems too. I would encourage you to write some of these questions down. You know, one of the questions I think that help us become more faithful ambassadors is to ask the question, do, we have, do I have a knowledge problem? Do you just not know the Bible? You can, you can learn the Bible. You can engage with the Bible. I know, I know a lot of people that just have a knowledge problem. They, they've not learned the Scriptures. So they're not confident to be an, a faithful ambassador. Can I tell you this? I've met some people that have a knowledge problem because they think they know too much. You ever run into those people? I went to seminary. I've wrestled with those guys that have stood up and said, I got God figured out. I got this salvation thing all figured out. Um, that's right, it's all from God. Oh, wait, it's my responsibility too. How does that gel? Yeah, good question. I've met lots of people with a knowledge problem on both sides of the pendulum here. And I think many of us can fall on both sides. Some of us can fall on one of those two sides. Whether you've not studied enough or then you studied too much and you think you know it all. I think we've got to be careful with both of those things. Do you have a knowledge problem? Do you have a distraction problem? There have been times in my life I've been distracted by sin, busyness, um, misplaced priorities, um, maybe distracted by unforgiveness or anger or distractions. Do you have a distraction problem? Sometimes I've had a love problem. I just love the world more than I love Jesus. I just love something else more 
had a misplaced love problem. There have been times I've had a discipline problem. Do, do you have a discipline problem? Is there a problem with just discipline in your life? Because can I tell you, as a follower of Christ, we're to be disciplined. As, as ambassadors for Christ, we're to have disciplines in our lives, spiritual disciplines, physical disciplines, emotional disciplines. We're to have disciplines in our marriage, disciplined lives. I mean, you're to walk with the Lord. That takes discipline. You have a discipline problem. Do you have a perspective problem? There have been times that in my life I've had a problem of being an ambassador because my perspective was all whacked out. Maybe I, I looked at uh, my problems through a horizontal, or excuse me, a, yeah, a horizontal view rather than a vertical view. And I found that when I, when I face a problem in life and I sit with Jesus and I open my Bible and I spend time with the Lord, my perspective changes. That's the value of a walk with the Lord where you changes your perspective. You know the Word because God, God's Word helps us think right. You know, there have been times I've had a stubbornness problem. Do you have a stubbornness problem? There are times that when it comes to the Lord, I'm just stiff-necked. I want to do what I want to do. And I often pray, God, help me not be stiff-necked to you. Help me not be stubborn when it comes to correction and discipline and your spirit. Sometimes we have a stubbornness problem. You know, God's called us to be ambassadors for Christ. It is as though God were making his appeal through us. I want to implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Because amazingly, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we could be righteous. You know, we're going to have an invitation. And as, as 2024 comes into view, and I'll tell you more about this tonight, but we're, it's my prayer that we become effective witnesses for Christ, bold witnesses for Christ, bolder than we've ever been, more effective than we've ever been. And do you know where this should start? It should start with those that we know the best. Those that see our lives like family. You know, this, here's our invitation today. Josh is going to lead us in a song, and, and we're going to have people that are going to be around the room that would pray, pray with you. And maybe you need to come to Christ, and maybe you aren't right with the Lord, and God is speaking to you to get your life right with the Lord, then you ought to do that today. Don't wait one more moment before you know that you're going to heaven. But for those of you who know Christ, this week is Thanksgiving week. And family is going to come to many of our homes. That know, family that know us. And do you know that we're called to be witnesses, faithful ambassadors for Christ to our own family? And so what I want us to do is ask the Lord, maybe take those problems and say, Lord, do I have any of these problems? 
But I want you to go to the Lord and ask the Lord to use you this week as an ambassador in your own family. Maybe that's apologizing. Maybe it's humbling yourself. Maybe it's forgiving. Maybe it's having a hard conversation in the right way. Maybe not at the table in front of everybody. But my prayer is, is this week, and I want you to pray, God, help me be a faithful ambassador to my own family. So those that are prayer, our prayer team, would you go to those spots right now? I want you to see where they're going to be. And maybe you need somebody to pray over you and take advantage of that. But maybe you just need to go and pray yourself. When you're, when you're ready, stand and sing. Then I'll close this out. But um, would you bow your head? Lord, would you speak right now in this room? Lord, would you move? Would you help us be faithful ambassadors? this week in our own families. I love you, Jesus. Move us now in your name. Amen.